0: views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined by Ryan following Everton's 1-1 draw with Brentford FC at the Poorly named, if you ask me, G Tech Community Stadium in London. With the draw, Everton have failed to record a victory in their first four games of a Premier League season for only the third time, also doing so in 94 95 and 2010 2011. Not the greatest result. Disappointing to concede late after we obviously scored the equalizer late last week. Um, We'll get into all the details and more. But before we do that, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice would appreciate that a lot. Helps us out a ton. If you want to follow us on social media, linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. You can find all of our social links there. And if you want to join our Discord, which you should do, we will be shouting out a number of members of our Discord on this episode. Join our Discord, invite.gg ATP. And with that, Ryan, let's go into instant match reactions from our followers on Twitter.
0: So I have chosen the mighty Jaden Sherman at Mr. Shermanator8, friend of the program. A friend in the show, really lucky to have gotten a point today. Any other day, they would have finished a couple of those that hit the crossbar. Terrible defending on that set piece undid us. I'll take the point and move on. Hopefully more signings to come. That's pretty much how I feel. I, I don't really think we deserved a point today, but a little bit of luck was helpful. Almost got lucky enough to take home three points. We'll talk about the set piece goal. That was a shame. Yeah, I felt pretty fortunate looking at the entirety of the 90 minutes that we came out of there with a point.
1: Yeah, somewhat miraculous, if you ask me. I mean, before the match, I I wasn't expecting a whole lot, given that it was away from home and our struggles away from home have been well documented in recent times. But for my instant match reaction, I went with PDX Toffee, at PDX Toffee, who said, uh, had a similar sentiment to Jaden. I'll take the point away from home, but disappointed at the goal we gave up. Onana had some awesome moments, and I thought Gordon had his best game of the season so far. Agreed, but don't think that's saying a whole lot. And last, he said, disappointed with the performance from our quote-unquote veteran backline. Now, we'll get into that veteran back line and all of those points raised by both of our uh, Instant Match Reaction contributors, but we have to first give a shout-out to our members of the Discord who got the score prediction correct today, and we had Mike Drop, DL Barks, Tony S. with his return to his... Uh, Persistent one-one predictions. We had Blade Runner six-one-two, an appropriate amount of Pumas, who has revised his name based on your feedback in a previous episode, Ryan. We had Joe DeHill, and then we had Oki. So a good number of predictions today. The uh, cautious, very reasoned, expecting a draw crowd was rewarded with a shout out on the pod today. Now let's get into lineups.
0: Yeah, let let us get into lineups. So, once again, we're playing a team that, shockingly enough, doesn't have a lot of injuries. In fact, it's what? the same team, I think, in their last league match. I know, really surprising, right? It's it's almost like we're the only team that has four or five starters out every single week. You know, the saddest part is, too, I mean, we have, like, truly the two most important players for us relative to their position out. And I would argue maybe DeCorey's number three. So... Yeah, I mean, look, they, they've been playing a lot of 4-3-3. Uh, they're not necessarily a high possession team, but they have some dangerous guys. And it starts with Tony up top. He's a bit of a beast. So I, I, you knew that might be a handful. Um, so I'm not surprised we sat back a little bit. We had a couple tweaks to our lineup, James, but it it almost picked itself just due to injuries, really.
1: Yep, the thing that we just cannot escape for the absolute life of us. Um, Obviously, we had Solomon Rondon drop out, which didn't seem to be due to injury, but a tactical decision from the manager. And we bring in McNeil. It seemed like in his stead up top, though uh, we'll get into it, but the the front line seemed very fluid across Gray, Gordon, and McNeil, guys switching positions and trying to pose different problems to the Brentford back line. We then, of course, had Onana, who gets his first Premier League start after starting against Fleetwood Town. At the in the uh, during the week, excuse me. Other than that, as you said, team basically picked himself. Mikalenko, Patterson, same three in the back. Don't really have a lot of other options in center half positions and uh, the front line. Kind of what everyone expected. Basically, Rondon was the only potential change there and wasn't gone with from Frank. Um, in terms of tactics, Ryan, I mean, what did what did we see today besides questionable uh, decision making at times?
0: It's I, I just think we got pushed back a bit. You know, it ended up looking more like a, a 5-4-1 today at times. Mikalenko certainly didn't get up the pitch much. Patterson saw the ball a lot, but I wouldn't necessarily say he was dangerous getting forward. So um especially in the second half, we, we were really behind the ball a lot. Wobey and Anana were sitting so deep at times. It just was difficult for them. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best roles for them and and it prohibited them from really getting up the pitch. We didn't see that much other than maybe the first five or 10 minutes. And you saw us trying a lot of long balls, trying to deal with Brentford's higher back line, which in some aspects is fine. Um, if you have time and space to do it. But I think once again, we we were nervy in the back and just didn't, we kind of stopped building from it. Um the one thing I did notice is when they had the ball and really got to attackers forward, I mean they were not kidding. I mean they had five attackers literally man yeah. on man, hat on hat. It it almost looked like, you know, like uh like a 7 on 7 flag football game at times. Right, uh right. they were really on us and look, I, the numbers were interesting. 47% of the time we attacked down the right side. I don't know if that was just lack of attack, but it does demonstrate a little bit our inability to get forward on the left, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does, but it's also I think pretty significant contrast to previous games where we were going pretty heavily down the left. Today we tried to use Patterson a bit more to, to limited effect. Um, as you said, Brentford, at, I mean, it, it obviously came back to bite them for the goal, which we'll talk about, but that high line did pose a lot of problems for us. And, and after the opening period where we looked quite good, I think they, they settled in and became quite comfortable pressuring us and we didn't respond particularly well.
0: I think that's an accurate description, uh, whatsoever. I mean, if you if you also look at it, I mean, look at the numbers here. I mean, thirty to thirteen in crosses, which I, I don't know how many of those were incredibly dangerous. Certainly, a lot of them came off set pieces. Um, but you look at the shot distribution; it's hard hard to ignore. Certainly, the set pieces were a big factor today.
1: Yeah, they were. They were very well. A they, they probably pinpointed this as a opportunity to exploit. But they were also very aggressive in looking for the cross, and we obviously weren't with only 13. We were getting the ball into some those wide areas, but didn't. it seemed like we are looking to create things on the floor rather than just obviously cross it into the middle, which makes sense. No target striker, McNeil and Gordon and Gray aren't going to win very many aerials. They certainly didn't win many long balls out of the air for us. Um, so the contrast in uh, crosses makes sense, but I thought we, for the most part, defended it pretty well. The goal notwithstanding.
0: I thought so, too, but it's really hard to ignore, though, the quality chances. And I know XG, single game XG is not the greatest measure, but XG Philosophy had us at Brentford 2.59, Everton at 1.41. So not great. it's hard. I, no, and and it's not. And it's hard to argue that wasn't a pretty good sign. And, and I would say, too, in the first half, it wasn't that there wasn't that much disparity. I think much of that came in the second half. And but before we get into the timeline, James, how about we get take a little break and hear from our sponsors? Okay, we're back here at the American Toffee Podcast, and let's get into the match itself. Overall, in the first half, James, we saw some big chances by Brentford. We saw some strange things early with the coverage that we had on corners. I mean, their counter of corner was strange. They they had three guys up top on us. I don't know if we were expecting that. Clearly, they saw something, which was interesting. Uh, Jensen hit the woodwork in the, in the 18th. That was a pretty big moment, but... I mean, it was a little bit back and forth, and then there was just a fantastic moment of quality, I think, for Everton to, to go ahead one nothing.
1: Yeah, that was, of course, Connor Cody. From the foot of Connor Cody up to Anthony Gordon, who scores his first goal of the season in a pretty solid fashion. I mean, it's nice to see our front line, though obviously the holdup is not there, actually looking to get in behind, make runs behind Brentford's high line. That's how you're going to beat a team that's playing a high line, is make them respect the pace in behind Gordon. Looks good. I mean, that's a, that's a really solid finish from him. Um, and I think, you know, the opening 10 minutes or so, I thought we looked pretty composed on the ball. I thought Brentford looked pretty sloppy. It's always nice to start out strongly away from home to give every Evertonian false hope. But immediately after we scored, I mean, I, I guess actually from, from the point, the, the first whistle to the first goal, we had 60-40 possession in favor of Everton, six to five in shots in favor of us. We had four uh, to, compared to their one on target, but obviously Brentford had the one post, which doesn't count, um, and three to three in key passes. So it was a, a largely even game in terms of actual chances, but we looked better in possession and looked quite comfortable on the ball. After the goal, it's a very different story.
0: Pretty crazy, really, after the goal. I mean, after goal to about the 42nd minute is what we've got. I mean, Brentford had 85% possession, and it felt like it. I mean, they just had the ball the whole time, four to one in shots, um, it could have been really bad. There was at one moment I, I thought, oh my goodness, how are they not scoring the Tony Header off the woodwork? And then whoever came in after was at Wiss oh. just, oh, I mean he missed it. It was a horrible if you I mean, I would have thought it was had a wager on it, like you know, and he blew it on purpose. It was so crazy. Um, but I will say this: I was very nervous that whole time. I'm just thinking, get to halftime, get to halftime. About in that 42nd minute, we showed what I thought was maybe our most mature moment of the season so far. And I, I was I was really encouraged by it. I mean, from the 42nd minute until halftime, and there were several extra minutes in there, we just took the air out of the game. And we absolutely got on the ball, 72.5% possession, 91% passing. And it was just Awobi, Anana, passing it back and forth. And I think we had a couple shots too. It wasn't like we were devoid of chances, but there are times, especially with our defense, which isn't very high quality right now, where you got to do that. I was just so encouraged by it. I was thinking, all right, man, we'll get to halftime. We'll get on the ball. We'll keep it, not see it out, but like, we'll take a little more command of this match because I, I don't think they were throwing so many numbers up at us and pressing. Um, but I'm sure in the back of their head, they were thinking of the Cody, the Cody pass for the goal, because literally in that instance, it's not a hoof ball. He has time and space on the ball, right, to play it over top. And and the distance between when Cody played the ball in the back line was very short because they were so tight and condensed, which works if you put pressure on the ball. So you knew you are going to see more of that. Maybe we'd get a chance over the top to score, but I was just hoping that at a minimum we could spread him out a little bit with our back five, get on the ball, and possess it. And that just didn't happen at all, did it? No, but I mean, as you said, it was encouraging
1: to see a response to what was a dominant 20 or so minute stretch of play for Brentford. We get into halftime, we have the lead. Okay, just another 45 that we have to either extend the lead or just defend like our lives depended on it. Turns out we ended up doing a lot more of the latter, defending like our lives depended on it. And it seemed like any semblance of a. a possession-based philosophy that we had in the first half basically went out the window as soon as we realized that we needed to get across the line and really seemed content to, at best, see out a 1-0 victory.
0: Too content at times. I think that was yes. pretty pretty obvious. Now, now that being said, in the second half, you have a chance to change games through subs and, and different changes you can make, and they're normally more stoppages. So it's really, to me, the moment where the managers can really put a strong imprint on the match. And I thought it was worth noting that Brentford had made four subs and they started making them in what the, like the 68, 69th. there was a whole sequence of them. I think James, uh, they we made, made four, like a triple sub. Yeah, they made You've four subs. That. I know four subs in total before we made even one by choice because we had the injury, um, to Holgate. So, and, and what was interesting enough is they took out a couple of their absolute top attackers, but who did they, they brought in like Vitaly. Is it Janelt or Jan
1: I like I like Janelt.
0: Yaneltz. Uh Yan I think. But either way, I mean you can pronounce it either way depending on who you are. So don't don't <laughs> Don't no come at me. Answer. Don't come at me. Right. Um he came out and gave them a lot of balance. I think they I think they needed that. They needed that kind of quarterback that was a little farther up the pitch, that wasn't way in the back. I mean he had 28 touches from his time on the pitch to the rest of way. He gave them a backbone. Um I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, Everton, we're second to last in the league. A number of subs used in three matches. Now, you could argue we don't have many options. And and that's a fair argument. But I mean, Klopp has used more. Uh, But look, look at the look at the results.
1: Throw him in as the example. Well, he's
0: he's always complaining. We're
1: second to last. And you are Liverpool third to last. Or did you just want to?
0: I'm not obsessed. I just he's the one who's always complaining about it, yet never uses them. And. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, it's still funny. Um, After the subs, the numbers were bad. And and I don't, I'm not trying to draw any conclusions here. But, James, those, those numbers are pretty hard to argue.
1: Yeah, I mean, evident on their face. In the second half overall, it was 67, 67.4% possession for Brentford. After the subs, it went up to 75.4%. Five corners to one, seven shots to three three shots on target to zero. The killer one for me is we didn't have a shot on target after the 57th minute. So even before they made their first sub, we weren't really getting forward and certainly weren't threatening to score. So it all felt very much like it was there to take for Brentford. And they obviously managed to, in the 84th minute, off, you guessed it folks, a corner, flick on header no less, concede, or for Brentford, score the equalizer, us concede the equalizer, Initially, potentially a shout for offside, but turns out that it was none other than Vitali, the other Vitali, not the one who scored, who played him onside and allowed him essentially a tap in at the far post.
0: Let's talk about this one a little because, well, we'll get to the we'll I get guess to the, we have to. Huh? We'll get to the broadcasters again, because they're just interpretation of this that Awobi just let a guy go and he shouldn't have was the dumb. I mean, do you not understand anything about modern soccer at this point? So. Many years ago, a lot of studies came out when the analytical revolution kind of exploded, and and Brentford obviously being at the forefront of this, I think they may actually been they may have been the guys that came out and did it. Um, maybe it was the stats bombs guys. I don't know, but anyway, the 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 idea was historically speaking, the flick on header has the highest percentage of conversion rate of anything. So that prompted and pushed teams that were already stopping do this anyway to take everyone off the posts because the theory is that. If you leave the post, when that type of exact situation happens, if you're all in a line with the guy making the header, they're gonna be off. I mean, there's there's nothing they can do about it. And in this instance, awobi and everyone else did the right thing. They did the right thing. There was clearly a player in between them and the goal. They moved to their right as they're facing the, the, the service, pulled him off, except for Mikolinko. And he wasn't really in the play, and it's just so disappointing yeah. because that's just training pitch stuff. And there are two ways you could look at that. You could say that's an individual error, or he's not being trained well enough. Who the heck knows? I mean, that that's a pretty difficult one for us to to say. But but that that to me that is a really fundamental error. And I know we looked. I know we looked susceptible on corners, teams I, I I know we did. But but I thought we were doing oh, okay. Yeah, I mean,
1: to your point about the individual error versus you know training exercise or whatever you want to call it. Could you also chalk it up to maybe just a communication thing? Like one of the guys who's behind him who has a better view of the play needs to yell at him to to get up and maybe it's a reaction thing. But as obviously in those plays you have to defend as a cohesive unit and we failed that test uh, quite handsomely, I guess you would say.
0: I I wouldn't think there's a call on that. But if anything, I, I think we've been very good communicating this year, because how else would Awobi and Onana show? I'm not saying they've shown a lot of defensive discipline, but um, shown some. uh Looked more organized than I think they would have been under under the old guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it, again, just just to concede that late on any play, on any circumstances, really demoralizing when you've led for so long and you're so close to seeing or seeing out your first three points of the season. All of a sudden, it's an equalizer, and again, at one one it was really a draw as a best-case scenario for us at that point because it didn't feel like the response was really there. And, and you know, in terms of the substitutions, okay, they score in the 84th. Frank has the subs warming up for some time. They don't actually end up coming on until after Brentford have equalized, and I think the the dynamic of the match had shifted at that point. So were Solomon Rondon and Ruben Vinagre the right decisions and to yank off Dwight McNeil and Vitaly Mikolenko when you all of a sudden, well, you either need to – hunker down and try not to concede again, or you need to push to get the winner. I, to me, it felt like Rondon really at that point, not really, I think maybe bringing him on earlier in the in the second half to provide, a again, a, a focal point for some of the hoof ball that we were doing or the long balls we were playing might've made sense, but hasn't really shown the ability to be the guy that's going to score the winning goal when we need it most.
0: Well, it just changes the way we attack with him in there. And it just turns us into somewhat hoofball. I mean, he's a target striker. He doesn't really do much other than that, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you went from kind of this fluid attack of running in behind and, and you knew they were going to still try and push for the goal. So that was may, maybe a mistake, but, um, it, it may have been more than that too. I mean, and, and, and if you think the other sub really, onan I'm not going to argue that one too. Um, Frank indicate we'll get to Frank in a second. You know, Anana wasn't fit to quite go ninety and got the daylight's kicked out of him. He, he got kicked a couple times today too, but just again, yeah. daylight's kicked out of him against Fleetwood. I guess that's really what it was. But but look, I mean, still still sitting back. Like if I really want to take this whole match in changing ears for a second, James, I, I can't ignore the fact that we struggle so much keeping the ball. And it affects us so much in the match, not just creating chances, but I would argue more importantly on defense because it's just hard to defend that much time. I mean, after the subs, we said it was almost 70 75% possession. I mean, that's hard five corners. I mean, that's over a period of time when you're really tired. That's when you really need to take the air out of the ball. We'll talk about Alon too in, in a little bit because God, I think he would have been a good option. So something's clearly going on there, but, but let's just, Brief touching base on the importance of possession, because a lot of people will say that well, it's not that important. You know, you can you don't need the ball to be successful and defend. And uh, okay, yes, but there are times where you you do need to be able to keep the ball some. Um, and I, look, I mean, there are ninety nine teams in the top five leagues in in Europe, right? Okay, no one finished fourth or above that had a possession less uh, less than fifty percent on the season. I mean, Union Berlin is the only one in the top six, and they were like super low. I think that's the only one in the top six with like under like 49. And they were, I don't want to say they were a fluke, it's kind of how they play. But, but I mean, if you have a style of play and you stick to it, that's okay. But look, there's a defensive impact here. I mean, of the 22 best teams last year and expected goals against, only two had possession under 50%. So it matters. I mean, that's to some extent, it matters. The ability to control the game matters. And Daniel Cullington has a really good comment here. and and I think this is part of it. it's it's these are fundamentals we're talking about a little bit here, James, aren't we?
1: Yeah, definitely. and and Daniel says, we've got to stop leaking goals. This is the starting point, I assume in regard to possession. and is the fundamental principle in achieving a win, we need to focus on this and get to a level that impresses other teams. And we see it in brief glimpses and brief ten to fifteen minute spells, but don't seem to be able to maintain it for any significant amount of time and i don't know if it's just because we are just get uncomfortable with the amount of pressure that teams want to put on us in possession we we are starting to see the personnel in place that should be able to play in the system you know awobi onana in the midfield um connor cody if he wants to possess the ball tarkowski's that's not his no he's He's good on the ball though great on the ball yeah absolutely but not holgate's strong suit um you know the front line tends to you know we've, we've let's say Gray and Gordon's issues retaining possession have been well documented early on. Though I think both were okay today, um, in that regard.
0: So, so you would say it's personnel more than. I mean, I've seen Frank's teams building out with purpose and and are organized in doing that. And I don't, I don't think we were disorganized at the time doing it. I, I think it does get to a point where it's just out of character for some players to some some extent. I mean, you'd like to see a little bit improvement. I don't think Tark is too erratic, but but he wasn't good today, and I mean the numbers weren't good, right? Tark was three of eight for long balls, and Holgate was two of seven, and but look, I mean Brentford had fifty long balls to our our, our seventy attempts. I mean that's a big difference.
1: It is a big difference, and what I think about is when we did our manager assessment of Frank Lampard, and in particular talked about how dramatically he changed Derby County's style year over year, where they went from really not a possession oriented team at all to a really heavy possession based team and obviously we're going into his first full season at the helm, and it's still early, and we're still, and everyone will say this, there's still work to be done in the window. We've got Mopai coming in, who we'll talk about shortly. There's going to be additional guys, presumably. There's a, I think, very clearly a Drisogana-gay-shaped hole in our midfield, or at least someone to play kind of behind Onana and Iwobi, if those are the guys, or get Iwobi out of there entirely. But the personnel we have in there is a lot of the same guys we've seen in the past that could not play this style very well last year. So I do think you have to chalk it up to the personnel to some extent.
0: Yeah. Well, I I'd say the most important personnel, I think that it's such a stretch for is Jordan Pickford. And, and that, that to me is the biggest one because look, mm-hmm. well, well, look, if, if you just measure a goalkeeper's ability to hit a long pass accurately, he's quite good at it. He is. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, he, he can ping the ball from distance, sometimes incredibly accurate. It's, it's a hard thing to do. The thing is, most teams don't do it. That's the point. And I, I think today that was, in terms of driving possession. I mean, I think this is the biggest one today that there is. And and it's not like Brentford. I mean, they had a higher launch percentage in passes than Everton do this year. They're not even a good possession team. I mean, they're like under 45% in the first three matches. They were 15th last year. So they have their share of, of attacking lengthy long ball football. But look today, David Raya, five for eight long balls, 87.1% passing Pickford, 11 for 31, 39.4% passing. I mean, just that's, they only had three incomplete passes. Well, I sound like a, it's like a football game. Uh, I mean, was our football ball. game, darn it. Uh, three incomplete passes compared to our 20 i mean that's giving away possession 17 more times and look some of this is pickford under pressure some of it's by choice but i mean i look i know it's fleetwood town i know it is i know it's a big difference i know but look at the difference the way we saw out that match i never thought fleetwood pound was going to be totally dangerous and they're not they're just not as good but Geez, I mean, we could have got on the ball a little bit better and taken the air out of it. You've got five guys in the back, two center mids, and then when you bring in Ron, you think he could hold it up a little bit, and we just we just didn't didn't do it at all, James. And I, I don't know if Frank's thoughts after the game really gave us a whole lot of insight, but um, I was gonna run through those real quickly unless you got one more thing to say about the world of possession. No, I mean I just think look
1: <clears throat> to the to the point on Jordan Pickford, which we'll talk about him again in just a second. When you're when you want to play a possession-based style, it all starts kind of with the keeper because so many of your possessions as a team start with the ball at his feet. And it's one thing, I'm fine with Jordan Pickford pinging a handful of long balls a game and catching the defense off guard, but when it's par for the course and the the defense can anticipate that coming the majority of the time, it loses a lot of the impact because even if you can put it accurately, the defense is expecting it, they're reading it, and it makes it a lot harder for it to be an effective strategy.
0: Look at the goal to Gray. Why did right. he play that ball? That was fine. He was moving the ball up, moving the ball up. He, he was not under pressure. He had time to do it. He's got a soft touch when he lets it fly. That was a phenomenal pass, but it was down the middle. He had time to send it. And we had time because we had the ball to make the run, see the run, and play it. And Cody did the same thing. I mean, he wasn't playing keeper, but it's the same thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with passing the ball long. But the hoofball thing just to release was excessive today, and I, it just pinned us back deep. Um. Frank had some interesting thoughts after the match. He thought we defended well in our own third. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I guess we did. I mean, most of their, well, they had some chances in tight three
1: times. I
0: I, I know. I know. Is that bad defense or good shots? Yeah. Pickford is really odd on that bicycle kick too. He didn't reset his feet. That was strange. Um, And almost knocked it in his own net. Yeah. he thought in the first half, the possession was good. Uh, he thought the back three switch plays pretty well back and forth. He thought the wingbacks got up the field. Could we have had more control in the second half? He said, yes. He also mentioned that Anana was, was a little beat up. I already mentioned that. Um, he seemed, I mean, what's he going to say, you know, but yeah, uh, he didn't seem to have many comments on the second half, but surely he had to be disappointed at their performance in, in the second half. But I'm sure he feels hamstrung with the personnel I don't know how many good and bad performances we really had. It was kind of a collective. Some people stood out, I I, I suppose. I mean, um, we had a couple good performances. I wouldn't say anyone was outstanding, though. So I'm kind of curious. You're good.
1: Yeah, it was a very mid game. And we'll see it as we go through these. But my my first good was the post. Thank you for being (laughs) there and having our back when we needed you most. Keeper's Uh, best friend. I was thinking I was, you know, joking to myself after the match that, uh, the Premier League would launch some sort of investigation into the, the post structure at Brentford because there's no way we could ever have that type of good luck. Uh, and it, I think that only would have happened if we had seen out the win. But in all seriousness, my good is going to be a repeat. I think he's been named as good in every single match thus far this season, and that's Alex Wobie. Um Not his best game of the season by any stretch, but and, and, you know we talked about his quote-unquote involvement in the goal even though he did what was correct. Um, five tackles. I think he was five for five in tackles. Which again, this is not his strong suit, but still doing what needs to be done. He um, is tied tied for the lead in the team in successful passes and had the best pack, pass accuracy in the team at ninety three percent. Had a key pass, a couple dispossessions. i mean was third in touches. So as far as possession based, if there was any semblance of good possession play, a lot of that was flowing through Alex Wilby yet again, as it has for much of the season so far.
0: Again, we've talked about this. I, I think. I was pretty excited in the first couple minutes when I saw him getting forward and closer to goal. I mean, he, he had he one a nice shot. pass. He did have a shot. Um, he tried another one with his left foot from about 25 yards. It got blocked. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? <laughs> um, however it, again, it's hard to ignore. And I put this on the discord that here's a guy that, that has the lowest number of final third touches he's ever averaged per 90 in his entire career. Professional career was 19.7. He's averaging under eight in the first three matches so I, and again he's only had two touches in the in the penalty area in the first three matches so he's doing what's being asked of him but I, I just think you know pumping the ball into the final third and he's getting chances because Gordon and Gray are shooting a lot even though they're receiving it from distance I just I think it would really help to get midfield reinforcements and, and make him a little more flexible but that, that's just but he played okay James right I mean he played okay yeah
1: yeah it's, it's just a separate conversation of I thought he played well today doing exactly what he was asked to do. Now, do I think what he's being asked to do is the best way to get him to play or contribute most to the team? No. Like, I agree with you. He should be getting more involved higher up the pitch. Um, but we'll see if that comes, you know, with the remaining days in the transfer window, what that unlocks for us in terms of flexibility and uh, tactically. And just getting guys back healthy, right? I mean, if you have Decore there. Alex Wobey doesn't have to. I mean, just one match ago, he was uh, looking like he was going to start on the wing before Tom Davies got hurt. So I don't think we're super far away from that being a possibility, but uh, enough about Wobe for now, Ryan. Uh, walk me through who you thought was good today.
0: I thought Anthony Gordon was good. I, I mean, I'm not saying he was phenomenal. He still had a couple shots he hit right at the keeper again. Um, th- that, I want to see that differently. You know, good shooters don't do that. They're normally wide or just missing the corners, And and he had I think it'll be there for him though. I really do. Cause we've seen, he could strike a ball and I, I feel like that aspect of his game, the goal scoring will come before the head up and the, and the chance creation type thing. And, and I'm okay with that. And that's why if we can get some reinforcements and he could stick to the left side, if he doesn't go, I, I think there could be something there, but he took his goal very well. Phenomenal pass by Cody though. I mean, literally didn't have to touch the ball. He just waited it, but it's a left footed shot. Side net it was nice. Um, no key passes, of course, that's kind of his thing, but look, the best part about Gordon today was besides the goal, of course, only two turnovers, 85.2 pass rate. It was fourth on the team. He he took care of the ball and the defensive effort, James, five tackles. I mean, he's five of eight in tackles two fouls. He was hatcheting people. He was in there and he normally does put forth the effort, but it was nice to see. I felt like he took a lot of responsibility for what he was doing today and he played really hard and, and it was good to see his quality shine through in that key moment and you know, he just wasn't giving the ball away like, like another fellow that I'm going to hit in, in a second.
1: Yeah. Agreed. And others have said earlier in the show that we shouted out probably his best performance of the season. I think that's pretty indisputable. He was excellent. Um, by comparison. And as you said, the biggest gripe against him, the last couple of matches has just been consistently losing the ball. He didn't do that today was finding guys, even though it wasn't always the most progressive passing, he was still being, um, cautious with the ball and and making sure we kept it and then he gets the goal so I agree thought he was really good Um, for my bad this one might be a little controversial Um, I don't think anyone really was particularly bad so made this a little challenging but I went with Jordan Pickford and it wasn't like a stat line thing or any one particular moment that stood out I mean he had six saves he had that one really nice one that he got over and blocked it in the corner that looked like almost a sure goal Um, But it was just what we already discussed, and I won't hit on it again too much more, but the 38% pass accuracy, the launching it, and then there were a couple of shaky moments where he was coming out to try to maybe receive it or clear it, and he kind of stopped and was waiting for it to come into the box, and just that indecisiveness. um, he, He had a really good punch early on, but then a couple other situations on set pieces where I don't think he was as decisive as he should be and we need him to be. So I went with him as bad, I'd say it's more of a not so good than a bad, but So be it. Um, What about you? Well, who are you going to pick? I mean, like there's not
0: so many just. And uh, yeah, and I mean, look, we're picking on a little bit for the long balls, but I but I thought it mattered today. I I thought it really did. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could have been anyone's that's a little bit harsh. But I mean, for full disclosure, everyone on the pod, we were struggling with this a little bit. So, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was. So, so mine, I mean, well, I also already got to the document first. So, right. I,
1: Ryan got first pick. <laughs> and if, and if you get the second short star or whatever, have to pick second. Sometimes there's a uh, slim pickings. So anyway, right. Go ahead with your brain.
0: right. Uh, Damari Gray was my, my not so good. Um, again, I mean, he made some okay runs. I mean, I, I think our front three today looked more fluid than they have, at least those three together. Um, and we, we won't have to deal with that in the future, which is nice. We'll have a legitimate center forward. And like at one time, he didn't make a run and McNeil played him through. That's just him not playing as a striker. But look, he had seven bad touches. He gave the ball a lot away a lot today. Two shots, none on target. Um, one key pass, zero dribbles. Like you just didn't see the energy from him with the ball. No tackles, one interception. The defensive commitment wasn't there too. I, I don't understand why he wasn't subbed out, to be perfectly honest, because yeah. he, he wasn't really helping us. He wasn't stretching the field anymore. I, I guess maybe Frank's thinking that he's probably the one guy in on the team that could have kind of an individual moment of brilliance. And and to his credit, he I think I think his legs were dead at this point, but he almost scored uh, running that in behind. Almost, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, don't you think his legs look kind of
1: dead there, don't you think? Well, yeah, he wasn't even supposed to start at midweek, and then all of a sudden Davies goes out. You have to bring him in. It changes, and he just played basically the full match. So understandable that he would be tired, but that's on the manager not to leave him kind of high and dry, having to run when he's dead on his feet.
0: And we just don't have the depth and the options right now. And it's nice to see one get in the door. God, really disappointing though. I know, I know Neil Malpah hasn't played a lot this year at all, but you know, he definitely could have got a run in at one point today. It's just a shame. They didn't get it done by the deadline. Uh, No comment on that. Um, Last thing about gray, 75% passing. I mean, it's the lowest of, of any player who went 90 minutes besides Pickford. So, it just wasn't really on it today. It wasn't happening for him, although he wasn't totally lost. I mean, there was some movement and some effort at times, maybe more on the attacking end than than the defensive end. Uh, special shout-out, though, goes to the announcing crew in terms of bad today, James.
1: I, I don't know. People were really complaining about them. And, yes, they. it was uh, Phil Blacker and Gary Birtles, neither of whom I've ever really heard of. But one of them was just coming with, like, the passion. Like, he... Had very very strong, mostly negative opinions about pretty much everything Everton was doing. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty tough to listen to at times. Um, normally, I'm not the biggest fan of the broadcasters. Seems to be a pretty persistent Everton bias today. And as I say, particularly in the first half, I thought it was a, a little bit over the top, a little bit much. wasn't super fond of it and uh, would prefer not to hear them on very many Everton games in the future. Yeah, I think some the... ridiculous statements, by the oh. way.
0: I mean, he's trying to
1: play football there when he's talking. Can you believe that? I mean, what we got the ball
0: (laughs) caught under his feet. I mean, cut the kid a break for heaven's sakes. DU football show at DU football show. Drunken United, by the way, which you should listen to. They're funny. The theme song alone is worth a listen, frankly. Um, Yeah, it's uh, anxiously awaiting at Ryan Soccer A.A. Me to share his feelings about the broadcasting team because the match itself didn't offer much. Yeah, that was Sam. Um, Sam, you are correct, my friend. Um, it was Phil Blacker and Gary Burtles apparently. Now, I didn't know Gary Burtles. I was like, do I know that name? Apparently, he was part of the Forest teams that won the uh, back-to-back Euro Cups. Did you know that?
1: No, did not. Cap three
0: times for England. But it was very funny. I dragged up this article from The Observer in like 2001 and it rated him as the third worst transfer in football memory and has moved to Manchester United. He like, they flipped him a year later for like a third of what they paid for him. Uh, no financial fair play back then, but you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, I had to take a shot at him. I mean, after that announcing performance.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and just, I mean, his perspective was very much that of someone who played in the late seventies, early eighties uh, in terms of the commentary, uh, in my opinion. Now, other performances, Ryan. We had uh Nathan Patterson. I want to say was like second on the team.
0: And this is weird. Like that. This this is a people weird one. Isn't are, it?
1: I don't know. Yeah, because people in the Discord, you know, people on Twitter, or whatever, were saying they didn't think he was very good. Some people saying he looked incredibly dangerous. We had Jackson at Jackson underscore bugle said Patterson looked dangerous, and I thought Onana and Davies looked good, but we are so toothless in attack. It's not even funny. And I had a shocking mistake at the back. We've addressed that gray needs to find some consistency and McNeil needs to just play better and then comments on the commentators. But in terms of Patterson looking dangerous, Ryan, I mean, he was on the ball a lot, which says something, but dangerous is not a word I'd, I'd use to describe his performance today.
0: It's tough. I mean, you know, Mozo football at, at Mozo football. I love Alan Mozo too. I don't think it has anything to do with it though. But, um, Nathan Patterson made more successful ball recoveries, seven completed more attacking third passes 13 to 16 and made more interceptions two, than any other Everton player against Brentford. Okay, fine. I, I get it, but I don't know. I mean, to be perfectly honest, a lot of that is the factor of that. that you know, we're defending a lot. Um, but Hey, you know, in his credit, I mean, he was one for four of crosses without really much of a target. He had four tackles, two interceptions, and 83.8% possession. I think he was tied for the team lead in touches. He had a key pass. I mean, he had a shot. He took care of the ball well. He is so bad on aerials, though, James. I mean, 1-1. One, one, but every time they fire a cross to the backside, and let's be honest, they fired 30 crosses, he was picking up the wrong guy. I mean, part of it's positional awareness and just chemistry there. He, he just, he'll leave a guy open on the backside, and he sometimes he shouldn't. And But you see him trying to track the ball. And and I saw it when I when I was scouting him before at Rangers, he just loses the ball. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's something innate about it because he's big. He's tall. Right, he's right. not unathletic.
1: He's a big guy. So you think he, in theory, he should be okay in the air. But I agree. it looked. He looks just very uncomfortable at times when the ball's in the air trying to defend. Um, and even just general defending, which we've talked about, probably not his strong suit. Look, it's a big leap for him. And it's always has been coming to Everton. Um, being He hadn't started a Premier League game until three games ago, so he's still very much uh, cutting his teeth, as they say. But, I don't know, I I, I, cautious not to get too carried away with him. Yes, I think he has a lot of promise, but by no means the finished article right now. And and I think he has a lot to work on. And hopefully, you know, he recognizes that and and is working on it.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's obviously some things to work with there, and so there were some good signs today as well. No mention about Tarkowski today. Ten clearances, six Mm. aerials. Kind of interesting, right? Solid. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I know. mean, I, you know, the distribution was frustrating, but um, anyway, so uh, all right, let's move into the summary um, where we pick out our favor. Twitter comments. Hey, um, I'll hit the first one. Our main man, Peter Rabbit, 68 at Peter Rabbit, 68. Didn't see that coming. Um, very lucky to not have lost four one or worse. The defense was shambles all day. We were a bit brighter going forward, but this is a poor side. They don't look like a team, just a collection of players. Hard to see where our next win comes from, I fear, for the future. Now, that's a little depressing, but I think there's some truth in there, James.
1: Yeah, I I think so, too. The defense looked very rocky going forward. Some okay moments, but still struggling to create very much. And yeah, I mean, face value, unless we get some significant signings, this is a very, this is a poor side. Um, We also had, BC Gross, at BC Gross, disappointing to concede from a winning position, but very little end product makes it difficult. We need Ghana in and DCL back for a focal point and attack. (laughs) And another dig at the commenter. Oh, and the Peacock color guy must hate Everton. Yeah, certainly seemed like it. Uh, I, I mean, I said it earlier, yes, I think if we get Ghana in, it immediately changes our ability to possess the ball changes our entire outlook as a team to create as well and Dominic calvert lewin being back but we obviously got neil mopai in the door as well which uh, will hopefully tide us over until Dominic calvert lewin is fully fit Um, we're going to talk about some of the movements in the window and some of the mostly outgoings but uh, before we do we want to give a quick plug again for our discord not the last time you'll hear about it but we have a really good uh, transfer rumors channel that is pretty active all the time, discussing all the latest news coming from Finch Farm and other media sources in terms of who's on their way to Everton, who's on their way out the door. So check it out, invite.gg/ATP. Find the link in the description.
0: Yep, and uh we're talking about almost every one of these names and in a lot of detail too. It's some pretty good dialogue. So let's start with the out so far, James. While we're still in silly season, to kind of wrap things up, there are a lot of names to talk about here. So I think we can probably dedicate a little bit of time to this. So first one out. Niels and Kunku has moved to Cardiff city on loan for the season. And he signed a new two-year deal. I I'm a little surprised he signed the deal. I don't, you know, there's not really, I think a clear pathway for him necessarily, but I suppose if he shows well, he could come in and maybe back up Nico or provide the wing back. If we ever play three, four, three again, I mean, who knows when that's going to stop. And look, there's an opportunity here, right? I mean, I posted on Twitter, uh, Collins, their starting left back, I, I think was really promising the first couple matches towards ACL, I think. And then his backup, Joel Bacon, went down. I don't know him very well. Um, I think he's a youth international, though, went down and, and I think he was subbed out on, on last Sunday. So it sounds like it could be a good opportunity for him. The championship can be a little sloppy and chaotic, and I think that might actually be good for him for some strange reason. I don't think he's an innate great decision maker and I don't know how good he can be but he's a heck of an athlete so best of luck to him I mean it might work out.
1: Yeah, I mean again presumably I mean we know he's on low wages so you think you maybe give him that extension, hope that he might impress on loan and all of a sudden uh looking at a more significant profit. I mean we had talked about selling him. We paid very little for him so it seems like we could make a profit on him today but for Cardiff I mean it's a good opportunity for him to come in and hopefully play quite a bit develop and we'll see what he's made of I mean as you said an elite athlete the decision making is very questionable but I I hope he tears it up and all of a sudden we're looking at a significant fee maybe Cardiff will take him off our hands for a few million I mean we were talking what 1.5 for him at most probably um, in this window if he were to go permanently so um I don't know. I mean, as a wing back, I think he has some utility, he loves to get forward and he certainly has the pace. So uh, he just needs mature. Tell. I mean, yeah. I hope
0: it works out for him. Um the next one's really interesting because it's hard to look at this team and not think that Jean-Philippe uh Bamine um could actually play a role on it, but it just doesn't appear that he is. But the transfer itself is kind of strange, at least to me. I mean, he so he's moving on loan. To uh spore in Turkey, who won the league last year too, but they got a bunch of injuries. Um, Hamsick, I think, is still out, who I think that would be a natural replacement for him. It's a big boys league. It's very physical. I mean, I think he'll be okay. Um, I just I, I think part of the reason if I had to guess here is that the book value is still a little bit high. I wanted to say, I think calculated the other day. It's like maybe ten million ballpark again. You don't know how much they're calculating um, impairment prior to the year. And we're probably not going to book much of a gain for that. So let him go for a year, see what happens. Um, maybe he does really well and, and maybe they come for him in January and maybe by the end of the year, we get a bit of a fee and, and we're not paying his wage. I don't think, I mean, the Turkish league has some wages, so I hope he does well. I mean, I just, it's clear that Frank had some chances to work with him. It didn't feel like he was going to be the right guy today and that's his choice. And so we move on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, a incredibly unsurprising surprise. Like at face value, you look at what he brings at his best, and it's clear we could probably use some of those attributes. On the other hand, there's a long documented history of managers, even when fit, not really wanting to utilize him, Frank being no exception to that. So it's unfortunate. I had always hoped that he would somehow be able to resuscitate his Everton career. Doesn't seem like that's likely, but at the very least, hopefully he does well. He did well in Russia last year. Hopefully he tears it up in Turkey and eventually. Becomes not just a uh, footnote on the long list of just, I guess, moves that haven't quite worked out the way we'd hope. So, hope he turns it around. It'll be interesting to see how much game time he gets. And as you said, I mean, he's a physical specimen, even with the injuries. So, I, I think he'll be quite at home in the Turkish league, but time will tell.
0: Yeah. Do you want to hit the wonderful transfer of yeah. Dilly Ali to? the this the video by the way was amazing with like the alien beaming de- i don't even understand it really but this one is interesting and frank had some comments here
1: yeah i mean we addressed this on a previous episode but frank spoke directly well not directly to delia ali but to the media regarding the departure of delia ali and he said what we all hoped wouldn't be true having worked closely with him for a period i have to say he really does need to understand the relation of training and focus to what that means to performance at the highest level. This is basically just paraphrasing exactly what Jose Mourinho told him in, of course, the all-or-nothing Spurs series and what has been the concern with Deli Ali for basically four or five years almost at this point. He had the world at his feet, doesn't seem to want to put the effort in in training and doesn't seem to have the discipline that you need to achieve at the top level. Um, And it's unfortunate. Another unfortunate situation. Hoped he could turn things around at Everton, but... Off he goes to Turkey, and maybe this will be the wake-up call he needs, Ryan?
0: Well, I will say this. The one thing about it is that I'm a firm believer that regardless of his work ethic or all this other stuff, there are certain players that if they're not playing a particular role, they don't do well. Um, Yeah. I was actually speaking to someone today about the way our past manager set us up at times with Rondon, who's very much a target guy. But Rondon had a lot of success teaming up with by Iose Perez, who was really good running off the ball and the timing. And it just kind of worked. And then you see Perez putting up crazy numbers, going to Leicester, and he just can't do it because they don't play that way. I think that's a misevaluation, of course, by a team as well. I think Deli Alli is very much like that way, too. I don't think he's really a 10 um, cause he doesn't really get on the ball. He's not a dynamic dribbling presence. His gift is really his off the ball movement, his timing, his way he can sneak into the box and find ways to score. And, and I think they've got Wout Weghorst there. Who's a great target guy. I mean, especially in that league. And I think he can play off him and they do play two up top sometimes. I mean, there's some variability there and I, I think he could do well. I mean, it's up to him really, but, um, the league is very physical and that's not going to be the greatest thing for him because he's not really a bruiser, but I got a feeling maybe if there is a setup that would work for him, I think that's at least it. Although he may take time away from Jake Tosin. It's true.
1: Perfect.
0: I mean, I mean, but that that does give them three strikers, but, but I mean, don't you think, I mean, that's him, right? I mean, he's not going to carry the ball. He makes some good decisions when he's on it, but I just, I don't see him as this, attacking midfielder that's going to hold the ball and boss a game, but he, he still got some clever moves and gets himself in positions. I think he's going to do okay for some strange reason.
1: I, I hope so. The fit was always a question. What position does he play? How does he fit into this team? And we asked that as soon as he arrived, and we never really got a clear answer, and he certainly was never given a clear opportunity to prove himself at any particular position. So he'll move on, and we'll see, I mean, what what comes from his uh, stint at Basictus. Wish him nothing but the best. Um, another player who seems like he may be out the door just based on lack of appearances, similar to JPG, a side that could clearly use what he brings to the side and can't get in the team. And that's Alon.
0: I, I want to hit him in a second, but let's also remember that even though Deli Ali's is not having his full wages paid it's something like two million pounds or something, we're avoiding a $10 million payment by moving him. Like, you know what I mean, James? That's really yeah. important to our window. And I, I think some people maybe have, have glossed over that, but that that's really important. That gives us more flexibility that we wouldn't have had. Um, but yes, Alon, uh, let's go to the new member of the Discord, Sleazy Toffee, who, did you see that last night? It was absolutely hysterical. We, see, yeah. we just see this random guy, Sleazy Toffee, sitting in one of our voice channels. And I, I think it was Stockhausen or me, someone mentioned it like, what's going on with that dude? <laughs> <laughs> We're just laughing. So I'm pinging him with instant messenger and he's just having trouble with discord. Cause he's not like a big game or anything. And I, neither am I. So, I mean, this is the only time I've ever been on discord in my life. So it was very funny. He's a great guy. He had a lot of interesting things to say, and I'm happy that he's already kind of jumped in, but his comment is a good one. Um, I'm disappointed at the lack of Alan news. If Frank won't play him now, hard to see him playing when Decory comes back. And if we add reinforcements in midfield, but there's next to no reporting on him potentially leaving. Well, that's not true because there is some report that Roma was interested. Um, and then then we have Frank Lampard on our Discord, too. I think that's important to know. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we uh, haven't
1: really advertised that well as well as we should have. <laughs> huh?
0: Right. He has to be hurt still or a transfer is Beacon worked on. I mean, he should know that, shouldn't he? Uh, no. And then Scows followed up. Surely a better option than Davies. And And I agree in that instance today, if you wanted someone to really take the air out of the game and get on it and possess it, naturally assuming he's fit geez wouldn't you put a lawn in there and move a wobi up and pull gray off i mean to me now you've got a guy in the wide space that could tuck inside hold the ball and is a much better defensive player in a wobi. you've already shown that he can play like that and you could get on the ball a little bit and a is a terrific possession player so its i mean you almost gotta believe he's out right
1: yeah it just seems like it last I'll year of the contract the too minute. so
0: I I, yeah. I I get it but i I still we said last episode I feel like he could still help us so it'd be very interesting to see what we're going to do with that. Sorry to steal your thunder. Go ahead.
1: No, it's fine. I was just uh, my opinion on him from last episode hasn't changed. I think he's he's probably worthwhile to just let him see out the contract and, and leave on a free for the the position that he adds depth that we need but, so badly. But
0: but that being said, if it's a financial fair play instance or even just a cash thing, you get 10 million in the door for him, you can't say no to that probably. If you if you don't I would think it is, but I'm just saying if it is something like that, it's hard to say no. I mean,
1: agree. No, I agree with that. And, and again, I he, still really like, like him and, though I mean if God, you feel confident, I, just... I do too, but I feel like if you, if you feel confident you have the right guys coming the other way, coming in the door, then, then this is one that you know face value. It's like, okay, Elon's <clears> leaving. We, we have a couple links to guys coming in. We, we're not as in the know as some, so maybe they feel confident they can get a replacement or just not have to worry about losing him.
0: Yeah, I, I look, I mean, none of these moves are happening if we don't feel like we can't get in, you know, two to three more guys. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious and maybe more, you know, you never know how things are going to play. But uh, all right, let's let's switch to incomings. Um, I, I'm i interested to hear what you think about this deal. We've talked about it a little bit. Um, well, I'll let you hit it and then I'll kind of make my commentary as well. Go for it.
1: Yeah, we touched on it. It's Neil Mopai announced. I think yesterday was one of the news officially came through or maybe it was Thursday. Rumored fee is around 12 million pounds with obviously performance-based add-ons, a three-year contract with, I think, a club option for an additional year. This one's been pretty polarizing. People seem to be really mad about it for some reason. Do uh, do you find this
0: to be like a big deal? I mean...
1: I'm not like, oh my God, we signed Neil Mopai. This is the best signing ever. Champions (laughs) League. But I'm also not mad. Like I think it's very clear that we needed a striker with a little bit of versatility, which he adds. He's proven at high levels that he can put goals in the back of the net. He is the type of player that you despise when you play against his team, and then he immediately comes over and he just winds up the opposition in ways that you never thought possible, similar to a certain Brazilian who recently departed. So I think he adds that little bit of uh, snideness back to our side. It makes sense, I think, in many, many ways. And I'm not it's not one that I'm going to get super upset about. I, I think he can definitely provide us some competition for Dominic Calvert-Lewin and tide us over until he's back fully fit. So I'm I'm happy about it.
0: a, a couple things about him that are very interesting. I feel like this market is crazy for like the yes. 20, 20, 21 and 22 year olds. And like Alexander Izak, which I, I think he's a very good player, had a great year two years ago, didn't have the best year this past year with Sociedad go to newcastle for you know 63 million pounds is a big number crazy he, he's a good player though i mean and, and he's 22 so i get it but i mean you, you wouldn't have seen that in the past you would have seen you know it would have been 35 and it would have been a lot so so it might be the point where and this i remember baseball kind of got to this point too where the young prospects were almost overvalued you got a guy that i mean just turned 26 and you might not get a massive return on this guy but by the way, and you have to do the uh, transfer exaggeration of the fee because it always coming from the agent, so the agents always exaggerate it. So if it says what, 12 million. So what's my normal, I normally apply 15% to it and that takes it off. So that means we're at about 10. That's what it is. So uh, I literally, I'm not joking. You literally could do that on every transfer fee and it's probably right. So, um, so that's what I'm going to say it is anyway. uh, Yeah. Look, maybe he's on a decent wage too, but the guy scores goals. I mean, he scores goals, and and I think we need help. Now, there is a question, is he just a center forward? I think it's hard to say that because at Brighton, they played two center forwards a lot when he played. So you can't really say can't play out wide. They didn't really have that option. That's just not how they attacked in width. You know, they tipto- typically pushed their wingbacks up or or just did it differently because that was their personnel. The guy can score, though, and I, I think the knock on him is this. He can't finish stuff, which XGFC Brighton. Right. That's it. And it, because to not this past year, this past year, he actually exceeded his XG his non-penalty goals. XG. He actually beat it. But the year before he was the third worst negative differential in the league. Um, by the way, you know, who is fourth worst, who was 0.2, negative 0.2 points better.
1: Would that be uh
0: Richarlison? Vardy. Right. Vardy was the worst. De Bruyne. was like seventh worst. I mean, so there's some fluctuations here and most guys don't beat their XG that much. And, and look, his movement up front is going to be massive. You saw it today when McNeil was trying to lead Gray. I mean, malpay's on that ball. And yeah, he, he's going to work really hard. If you notice a theme with some of these guys that we're looking at, it's guys with energy, movement, initiative. Like, how often have we seen the last couple of years, someone like Iwobi who's very active, get the ball and look, and no one's moving. I saw it today. And, and I thought today it was the most fluid we looked at a front three.
1: Totally. agree, But...
0: It still wasn't like crazy movement. I think he's going to make a big difference. The problem is he hasn't played yet this year again, and we already mentioned that earlier. But hey, look, I, I think it's helpful. I don't think the price is cost prohibitive. Um, and when you look at the price of some of the other center forwards out in the market, I mean, I, I think you could do a lot worse here. And let's go to the next one. James Boyman. Is a, Drisogon, a guy ever coming to Everton?
1: Uh, maybe when I am dead, he might show up in like 50 years. And he'll be like, I don't know, he's twenty. You think he got
0: fifty years left? Not to talk I about hope. your mortality on the air, but
1: <laughs> I hope so. But you know, you never know. Maybe. <laughs> point being, this has dragged on for so long, and it's been rumored to be basically done for like three or four weeks at this point. If and I, I it's funny because I was giving some guys on the Discord crap for saying that it wasn't happening, but um, every day that passes and it's not done. I'm more inclined to think they may have had a point because PSG seem notoriously difficult to negotiate with this window. And even though all parties seem like they want it to happen, it has not happened yet. Um, I don't know, Ryan. What's your take? I'd love to have him in. I still think he immediately improves us instantly. Um, But it it all just seems like it's gone on a bit too long, and now it might just kind of peter out into nothing. That's kind of the impression I'm getting right now.
0: Who knows? I mean, this is it's silly season for a reason right james
1: yeah but this is this is not we're more accustomed to having deals like the mopai deal we were linked with him but i, I think it, i think it happens it is
0: all right here's my logic okay. Ready? all right let's hear it i have no doubt some people are interested in him to a certain extent um he's probably at a bit of a wage point where most teams can't afford him they're talking about that he would be a free to portuguese teams and would cost us a fee Something ridiculous like that, and that's fine. But those Portuguese teams are not taking on 75, 80k a week that easily. That's not a normal thing for them. If it was, Andre Gomes would have already been there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's true. I mean, they're, they're price sensitive. They can really maybe only have one or two guys in those sides with those kind of wages. That that's there's a reason why they export so many players. It's just a wage thing, you know. They don't they don't much, make a ton of domestic revenue. So I think it's going to happen because maybe some other people are really interested, but at his age, he's so needed for us. We'll give him, I mean, personal terms have been agreed, and, and he's comfortable in, in Side. I mean, he's, yeah. so I, I think. Would you say, Ryan, that. He, oh, don't. He, would don't you. Don't say, you,
1: would, you say, would, would you say that he knows the city?
0: James Garner knows the city. He grew up in Birkenhead uh and he's been rumored to us from Manchester United so you literally can say that for him uh, I've got my own opinions on him but we'll hold off on that one until we get a more substantive rumor I think Ghana's a change a difference maker though for us because he fills in that role and can push a Wobi up into into the half space where he should play and I think we get more command of the game I mean Ghana can get the ball in the final third so that's what Awobi's doing right now he's not as dynamic but he's a much better defensive player too he's still got some gas in the tank I think I think it's going to get done because look, they don't want him. He's, I right. mean, they already canceled. Right. Didn't they cancel Paredes as someone else's deal? They don't want him. They've casted him off. We know he's going, why would he not go to us? So something's going to be settled. If we have to throw him a couple million to do the deal, because we're frustrated, maybe we do it. That's a shame, but okay. I think he's that impactful to us. A couple million bucks for two years where he can really transform this team. And look, We've talked about this on the Discord. There just isn't that great young defensive mid out there that we could get. That's gonna be that's gonna be better than the alternative. And what's the alternative? Either Alon or DeCore playing there or Onana. And if we're playing in the two today, neither of those two are fantastic defensive stalwarts. But that, that's a it's still a big leap. I mean, it's still expensive to find like an Edson Alvarez or maybe Emmanuel Garte or someone like that. I don't like Sangare as much as maybe I used to, but but that that's a level you would have to buy at and these are. That's twenty-five to thirty million pound guys. We don't have the money to do that, and, and don't give me that mokamara crap because that that he's that's just buying another type of player that's really more suited to be an eight and shoving him back into the six. We have Andre Anana or Amadou Onana. God, Andre Anana. I I knew I would do that at some point. I didn't say Jean I know, I know it is. So I I don't know. I I just think I don't think we can do it without improving in other areas. And he's an immediate fix. It just makes too much sense, James. That's my opinion. I don't know. Final thoughts on that before we get to the last little bit of of rumor scuttlebutt from the Discord, which I like this one too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd look, it ju- I agree. It just makes too much sense for it not to happen, which is partially why I think it just won't, because it would be just Everton that for like the perfect move that solves problems for us seems like it at least tied us over until we can get a better long term solution in there to just fall through because of some technical difficulties or whatever you want to call it, just negotiations with PSG wanting and a player they don't like you said a player they don't even want so anyway um last but not least before we wrap things up the happenings (laughs) at chelsea we had of course frank denying that they ever lodged a 60 million pound bid for anthony gordon and there's a lot of uh shuffling musical chairs that needs to take place over the coming days for the stars to align on this move
0: i'm sure they're not real thrilled with that press conference at chelsea um Yeah. yeah so tiburon azul uh, posted this in the Discord, and I, I like this chain of events. Good news from Chelsea. Ziyich didn't get in the game. Maybe going to Ajax to replace Antony freeing up Kudis? I mean, look, you got to really figure the Antony deal is going to go down. The numbers they're giving, and I love Antony so good, uh, but, you know, 100 million, 80 million euros, I mean, those are big numbers. Ajax can't turn that down. If they can get Ziyich back, which I, I think it's been debatable whether that's really going to happen, because I know he's on a big wage. He can slot immediately into that kind of right-sided, cutting in with the left foot, just like Anthony. And he's a little different player. And then, I mean, Kudis isn't playing. So as long as it's a one-for-one exchange there, I mean, come on, man. Kudis wants to leave. Where else to go? I think we have a good relationship with him. I know we were interested in him when he came out of Norgeland. So bring it. Make it happen.
1: Bring him in. I would love to see that come off. Would absolutely love it. And and we'll obviously monitor the situation closely. Stay tuned because I think we want to try to do something for the window closing in just a few days. So uh, stay tuned on our social media, particularly Twitter, where we'll try to announce that, Ryan. But final words on the match, on the window closing as we approach it. Any other thoughts you have?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's not beat it in the ground. But let's go to our man, Sean Kahn, Mr. Optimist, uh, head engineer of the Optimism Train at KingCon225, a lucky point, but of course, it's sour feeling giving the nature of the goal and a sloppy set piece defending. Damari Wasteful in that opportunity to put us 2-0 up. Malpay will help and hopefully getting Ghana, Kudus question mark, and another attacker hmm. will be massive. Optimism trains still strong. Come on, you blues. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get into this in too much detail, um, but I understand the concern. You look at the team right now with some of the injuries and you really start asking, who is consistently good on this team. There aren't many like Gordon today was good, but has been bad. Gray today was not good, but has been good. And I think that's just a sign of players that just aren't there yet or aren't going to be there. And that's just reality. You know, it's actually kind of funny. McNeil, if anyone is more of the steady Eddie, even though he didn't play well at center forward, Uh, but I wouldn't say he's been massively impactful. So look, we just need more quality. I think it's coming. And, and look, we don't have the quality right now on the side. We got a match on Tuesday, but we still got a point today, and, and that is not going to be how we're going to look, hopefully, in even a couple weeks. That's my thought. And the guys out are impactful. Mina, DCL, DeCorey, Godfrey, and in, in looking like Holgate's out now. That's a big deal to me. So, I mean, I take the point. I am I think we're going to strengthen, and I, I'm slightly optimistic, too.
1: Yeah, I hope we see kind of the opposite trajectory of last year where we started out strong and finished quite poorly obviously the last couple matches uh excluded from that hope we see the reinforcements brought in that enable us to take that next leap in quality start rocketing up the table have a really solid season Um, but we will see as the window ticks closer by the second what we're able to get done before the deadline passes be watching very closely as i'm sure all of you out there will be and if you have made it this far in the show we want to give you a sincere thanks for listening to the American Toffee Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find all of our links at linktr.ee slash Pod. And last but not least, as we have said a number of times already, join our Discord, invite.gg ATP. We'll be with you next time. Until then, up the toffees.